Doing the impossible is not something you make happen. It's something that you allow to happen. After conducting over 10,000 personal and group coaching sessions over the last decade, author and personal coach Jason Dries has unlocked the simple yet effective formula to accept and create success in your life on the most basic, instinctive level. In his latest book, Do the Impossible, Jason gives readers access to the same life-changing principles he provides in his personal coaching sessions. Ready to embrace success as a state of being? In this exclusive listener offer, get your copy of Do the Impossible for 50% off from the publishers at Bigger Pockets. To get your copy of Do the Impossible for 50% off any format, go to www.biggerpockets.com impossible50. That's 50% off any format, www.biggerpockets.com impossible50. Okay, I want to talk about Indeed. And I've run a company, it started as a small company, turned into a big company. And if you're anybody it needs to hire people, Indeed is the way to go. It's like having your own HR department. It's really incredible. It's a powerful hiring partner where you can attract, interview, and hire all in one place. Don't struggle to find your own candidates. It can help you hire the right people right now. It partners you with every step of the process. You can find talent with the skills you need through tools like Indeed Instant Match, assessments, and virtual interviews. With Instant Match, as soon as you sponsor a post, you get a short list of quality candidates who resumes on Indeed match your job description. You can even invite them to apply right away. It's really, really a smart way to do it. Trust me, I built a business. So they didn't have, when I was starting, they didn't have something like Indeed, and I would have gotten bigger faster. Get a $75 credit at Indeed.com slash onbrand. Indeed.com slash onbrand. Offer vowed through December 31st. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. I think we still, you know, got to be very, careful to make sure that we're appealing to, you know, a broad base of Americans and we're not needlessly alienating any of them. Uh, but, but we also need to excite and energize and turn out our people because that's really 90% of them. Welcome to On Brand with Donnie Deutsch. I am Donnie Deutsch, and this is the show dedicated to a simple premise. We're the only show dedicated to this premise that everything and everybody is a brand today. Uh, every institution, every company, every product, every every politician, every celebrity, every person is a brand. The brand is a set of values, and we do a couple things on the show. First, we talk to an iconic brand about their own personal brand, and today it's Congressman Adam Schiff, one of the most powerful, probably the third most powerful Democrat uh, after uh, Pelosi and Schumer and Biden, of course, in the country. Um, he is the chair of the House Intelligence Committee. You've obviously seen him during the Mueller trials. You've seen him during the impeachment trial. Uh, has got a lot to say about the state of the Democratic Party, uh, about Biden, about Trump. And uh, we're going to talk to him a little bit. And the second thing we do on the show is we do what's called Brands of the Week, where we analyze the brands, the who's and the what's that are shaping where we're going, the zeitgeist, uh, which brands are up, which brands are down. So let's get right into our brands of the week. First brand of the week is Halloween. A big brand up for Halloween. Halloween, people are going to spend $10 billion on Halloween this year. That's up from $8 billion last year. What's incredible about Halloween is 55% of households without kids say they're going to celebrate Halloween. Halloween has become a much bigger thing than just kids trick-or-treating. Uh, 10% of people will spend more than 100 bucks on candy alone this year, according to the Well-Kept Wallet. On average, consumers to spend $102.74 on costumes, candy, decorations, and greeting cards. So Halloween has become a commercial uh, mega event, up almost 20% from the previous year, $10 billion being spent on Halloween. So brand up for Halloween. Uh, second brand is Trump. Trump's 
new social media platform called The Truth. That's a nice name. Uh, it's his biggest scam yet. Uh, Donald Trump announced that he would be launching his own social media network named Truth Social. The fact about Truth Social build as a vehicle for standing up for the tyranny of big tech, which conservatives claim hates free speech, prohibits users to say anything, disparage the site. Guess what? You can't say anything bad about Trump on the site. Uh, meanwhile, the whole thing is built on a crappier version of Twitter. You can use truths, which are like tweets, or retruths, which are retweets. Uh, and Trump is doing this in a SPAC, which is a kind of a reverse engineering thing where people put money into it, but he has no money into it. He can only win. Everybody else can only lose. Guess what? Uh, it's a merger of a new company, the Trump and Media and Technology Group. Another scam for Trump. Trump social media called Truth, a brand down for Trump. Uh, big brand down for Biden in the polls. The latest polls on Biden are, are really kind of very sobering for Democrats. His latest approval rating in his CNBC poll approval rating is 41% and 52% disapprove. That's an 11-point net rating compared with a positive three points in the July sur survey, where 48% approve and 48% approve and 45% disapprove. That's a 14-point swing. Uh, he's gone from three up to 11 down. That's since July. That's in a few months. And that's a combination of things. Uh, it started with Afghanistan, of course. Um, obviously, the Delta variant has not helped. Uh, him not being able to get his bills passed has is, is not helped. And I think his overall the feeling that he projects. He just doesn't seem to be projecting dynamism and strength. And of course, that was never, he's at a certain age where that was never going to be a strength, but he just doesn't seem to have his hands firmly on the wheel. Uh, people are becoming really concerned about the economy. The number one thing that people are now concerned about, rightfully so, is inflation. It's up 16, 16 points from the, prior, from the previous survey. Uh, people are concerned about a recession. So economy starting to show cracks, inflation, Afghanistan, the virus, all adding to Biden having a very low approval rate. Now, of course, that can change. Um, brand down for Matt Gates. Remember Matt Gates, the sleazy congressman who uh, was been allegedly uh, involved with underage children. Um, he's in, according to the New York Times Vanity Fair, he is in serious trouble. Um, he should be future. It's, it's the Times reporting Department of Justice has added a pair of top prosecutors to his investigation. One of the prosecutors is a public corruption investigator who specializes in child exploitation uh, Kate Chimes. And the other, Todd G, is a deputy chief of the public integrity section, which is part of the DOG's criminal investigation. Um, Joel Greenberg, who's already been arrested, who's his buddy, uh, who seems to be cutting a deal for immunity. Matt Gates is going to go really bad for him. This is one of the real real scumbags. And, you know, I love these are the holier than now the guys. This has been one of Trumpers and one of everything that's what's wrong with the world and he's proper. And and here this guy's going to go down for some of the most heinous crimes in the world. Obviously, he has not been formally indicted with anything, but it certainly looks like it's happening that way. Um, Brand down, as he often gets on the show for Tucker Carlson. What I love is he will literally come on and say things and say, and science says, Fox News, Tucker Carlson, continue to mislead his viewers about COVID-19 on Wednesday, tell them the vaccinated and unvaccinated people spread coronavirus the same way. His quote, the vaccinated spread COVID just like the unvaccinated. There's no difference, actually. Look at the science. That's wrong. That's just an absolute lie. And you're on a major network. And this is, this is we're trying to keep people safe. It has been proven up and down that 91% of the spread comes from unvaccinated people. And dude, Shame on you. Fuck you, Tucker Carlson. Amazing. Um, this is interesting. The third workplace, brand up for the third workplace. And Sachs is somebody that that I kind of don't 
believe in this, but it's happening. So we'll give it a brand up. I think it's stupid. So it can give it a brand down. It's something called the third workplace. The pandemic has given rise to something called a third workplace where there are places that work that aren't one of home or office. It's a WeWork situation for a membership of 300 bucks a month or $50 a day. You can join Saks Works, Saks Fifth Avenue working with WeWork, where people who don't want to work at home, but they don't not ready to go back to the office, so they're afraid of going back, but they don't have to go back to the office. And it's like you get upscale perks, such as hydroponic gardens and gyms equipped with Peloton bikes. I, I think this is nonsense. I, I, I think if people think there's not enough options that working at home or working at work, and now you get these other kind of weird... I just think we're coddling workers too much. And I, I know that um, corporate America has a challenge now. A lot of people don't want to go back to work and people are having trouble finding labor. But I don't know. I just think we're coddling our workers too much in this third workplace. Just give me a break. Okay, Facebook. Brand down for Facebook. Well, brand question mark. They are rebranding themselves. Facebook is going to be announcing a company name next week to reflect its focus on building the metaverse. So what they want to set up is that basically... Facebook is going to be, or what we perceive to be Facebook, or the corporation of Facebook, is bigger than social media because they obviously know social media is kind of charged with a lot of negativity these days. Obviously, there's a lot of their business. They already have um, a lot of their, they re, want to rebrand to show that they're overseeing groups like Instagram, WhatsApp, Oculus, and more. They're doing a lot, obviously, with um, uh, AI and VR. Um, they're creating something called Horizon. The name is still unreleased. VR version of Facebook meets Roblox. Company has been dealing for years. So they're going to do wherever Google did, where Google called it ABC and Google is just a piece of it. And Facebook understands their brand is under siege now. And they're going to try and rebrand themselves to maybe, it's like a cigarette company that was known as a cigarette company. And then they want to be known as something else because cigarettes have a toxicity to them. So I understand the logic but it's kind of a, a little three-card Monty thing. I don't think it's going to make their problems go away. Um, brand up for climate tech. Bill Gates, I always listen to Bill Gates because he's just a really smart guy. And he's basically saying that investing in solutions to climate change will bring enormous opportunities for people to invest. This is what he said. He said there will be eight Teslas or 10 Teslas, and only one of them is well-known today. There will be, you know, Microsoft, Google, Amazon. So what he's saying is, there are going to be these major companies that are as dominant today as a Tesla or Amazon where you could have made a 1,000 or 10,000 times your money in this world of climate technology. This is where the world is going and technology that helps our climate. And if you kind of find those early on. So if you're an investor, you should be looking at who are the companies. And there's going to be a lot of winners and a lot of losers, but the winners are going to make people untold amounts of money. So climate tech, big brand up for climate tech. Um, Amazon, speaking of monster companies, is now brand up now a bigger shipper in the U.S. than FedEx. Amazon is they're not known as a logistics company, but in 2020 the com company shipped more parcels than FedEx. Logistics is a one and a half trillion dollar business. It's long been controlled by a handful of players like FedEx, UPS, and U.S. Postal Service. Now Amazon has 21 percent of the U.S. shipping market. It's behind UPS at 24 percent and FedEx with 16. Uh, USPS, United States Postal Service, remains dominant with 38 percent. Uh, but that's incredible to think about where this company has come. Um, brand up for Bitcoin. And here you go. If you want to know if Bitcoin is becoming part of the um, mainstream America, you can now buy Bitcoin at some Walmart stores across the U.S. Bitcoin is coming one step closer to being available to masses. You basically, they're going to be putting in as a test Coinstar kiosks in various uh, Walmarts where you can, they're not offering 
basically Walmart itself is not, but they're putting in Coinstar, which sells Bitcoin kiosks. Uh, Coinstar, in a partnership with CoinMe, has launched a pilot that allows its customers to use cash to purchase Bitcoin, a Walmart representative told Coindesk. There you go. Wow. Okay, brand up for The Sopranos. Seems as if David Chase, the creator, is in talk with HBO Max about creating a series based on the movie. Um, uh, what's the name of that movie? Um, wait a second. The Many Saints of, of uh, Newark, which was kind of a prequel. We might have a Sopranos coming back, which is going to take place before and after what's set up in the movie. And I always like to talk about that. Here's an interesting thing. Marriage, brand down. The married will soon be a minority in this country. This is based on a Charles Blow, Charles Blow who I love as a columnist, New York Times cop-ed. And here's some interesting stats. It says, uh, in 1970, percentage of Americans between the ages of 25 and 50 who were never married was just 9%. Uh, some 20 years later, that number grew to 20%. And now the Pew Research Center published an analysis saying that American adults who were neither married nor living with a partner had risen to 38%. So almost 40% are either not married, have never been married, or not living with a partner anymore. That's pretty crazy. I mean, it used to be if you were an adult and you weren't married, you were in a real minority. And now the majority still is married, but it's more like 60-40 and heading in the other direction. So I think that's fascinating. A brand up for Spanx. Spanx, uh, which was... Um, created by Sarah Blakely, who I'm very proud to say she kind of announced it on my old show, The Big Idea. Spanx is like kind of a girdle-like, I guess, panty for, panty, is that the right word? It's such a silly word. Underwear. Uh, it's it's kind of a modern age girdle. Girdle has a, horrible, a terrible thing. And uh, basically, Blackstone, the private equity firm, is buying majority stake in Spanx, valuing it at $1.2 billion. So Sarah Blakely has become a very wealthy woman and she's actually a really nice person. So I, I couldn't be happier. Here's a great one, a brand, a brand out for the A&W restru, restru, restaurant chain. They're a fast food chain. And they originally had brought something years ago called a third pound burger to make that seem like it's more than a quarter pound burger, which it is. A third is bigger than a quarter pound. But it failed. And it failed because the average American, why didn't, this is from one of the folks groups, why didn't people buy an original third, third pound burger? Because it turns out Americans are just terrible at math. People didn't, they were paying more and they didn't understand that it was actually more of a burger. They would say, why would I pay for a third pound burger more than a quarter pound burger? They didn't understand. So what they're doing now, according to Liz Basner, A&W's director of marketing, they're calling something called a three-ninths pound burger in an attempt to bounce back with a burger so big that our message is so clear that no one in their right mind would think it's smaller than a puny quarter pounder. Uh, in the commercials... They kind of make fun of consumers saying uh, A&W has had its best mathematicians working day and out trying to crack the uncrackable code, basically saying to consumers, you're stupid. Now, I don't understand why people would think a three-ninths pound burger is bigger than a third, a, a third pound burger. It's insanity. This is a really dumb brand down. What can I say? Um, but I love the customers initially said, why should we pay for the same amount for a third of a pound of meat? As you for a quarter pound of meat at McDonald's, you're overcharging us. There you go. Never underestimate intelligence of the American public. Uh, I guess a brand up for Royal Caribbean, although it wouldn't be my cup of tea, announces a nine-month cruise around the world. Imagine getting on a boat for nine months. 274 days. It will set sail in December of 2023 and land back in Miami or cruise back to Miami 2024. 2,700 passengers. It will hit 150 destinations all over the world uh, with highlights including Japan, Italy, Egypt, Russia, and more. 
it will cost anywhere between 60 and 120, 112,000. A huge brand up for Nerf. You know, Nerf products, Nerf basketballs, Nerf foam products and whatnot. Uh, seems as if Nerf has got an interesting offer. Here's a job if you're looking to a fun job. You can get paid $1,170 to play with Halo Nerf Blasters. Has $1,170 to test and review some nerd products. The Toy Zone is looking for someone to play with and then review a selection of products from Nerf's new Halo range. Rigorously, rigorously testing, playing with these toys, telling what you think about them. So basically, you play with Nerf toys, you get paid $1,100. It's a great country. And those are our brands of the week. Now, let's get to our interview with Congressman Adam Schiff. You're going to really enjoy it. He's got a lot to say. It's an important interview. Here's the head of the House Intelligence Committee, Chairman Adam Schiff from California. Okay, Four Sigmatic. This episode is brought to you by Four Sigmatic, a wellness company that is well-known for its delicious mushroom coffee. If you're a coffee person, and I am, and I've tried this, Four Sigmatic is amazing. It's a mushroom coffee. It's real organic. It's fair trade, single origin, Arabica coffee with lion's mane mushroom for productivity and shaga mushroom for immune support. I've been starting my day with Four Sigmatic ground mushroom coffee and lion's mane instead of regular coffee. I love it. It helps me focus, helps me get more stuff done. Mushroom coffee is also easy on my stomach. It doesn't kind of leave you that jittery feeling. I'm telling you, this is good stuff. They're all, all the products are organic, vegan, and gluten-free. Every single batch is third-party lab tested to ensure its purity and safety so you know you're getting the best stuff. Now, you're probably thinking, does this coffee taste like mushrooms? No, it does not. I can guarantee it tastes just like coffee you love. It brews dark and nutty and tastes incredible. Over 20,000 five-star reviews, and best of all, Four Sigmatic Coffee backs their products with 100% money back guaranteed. Love every sip or get your money back. We worked out an exclusive offer with Four Sigmatic on their best-selling mushroom coffee, but this is just on-brand with Donnie Deutsch listeners. Get up to 40% off and free shipping on mushroom coffee bundles. To claim this deal, you must go to foursigmatic.com slash Donnie. This offer is only on for on-brand with Donnie Deutsch. Listeners is not available on their regular website. You'll save up to 40% free shipping. Go to foursigmatic.com slash Donnie and fuel your productivity and creativity with some delicious mushroom coffee. I'm telling you, go to this website. You're going to be blown away. This is going to change the way you drink coffee. Four Sigmatic. That's F-O-U-R-S-I-G-M-A-T-I-C. I am thrilled to today's guest. Um, he's one of the most important, powerful men in the country. It's, it's, I'm not saying that with any hyperbole. He is uh, Congressman Adam Schiff. He's in his 11th term representing the 28th district. He's the chair of the House Intelligence Committee, where we've kind of watched him do his thing over the last few years as the world has gotten very interesting and scary at the same time. Uh, he's got a new book that is a must-read, and we're going to talk a lot about it. It's called Midnight in Washington, How We Almost Lost Our Democracy and Still Could, obviously about the effects of Trump. Congressman Schiff, thank you so much for taking time. It's a real privilege to have you on our brand. Well, thank you. It's great to be with you. First of all, um, I, I, there's just about you, your persona, and your brand. There was a great quote about you in a recent uh, periodical. It says, if anyone could take being on an even keel to an extreme, it's Adam Schiff. And I love that. <laughs> and is that a fair assessment? <laughs> you know, I suppose. But uh, one thing I've discovered in this job is uh, if you don't maintain at least somewhat of an even keel, people won't hear what you have to say. Uh, so uh, I, I try to at least talk in terms where where maybe folks that are not naturally inclined to agree with me will still listen and hear what I, what I have to say. Do you ever kind of step back, you know, your job, the stakes at what you do, uh, you're playing the highest stakes game. Is Do you ever kind of get into bed at night and go like, holy crap, what, this is a lot. You know, this is, this is not, you know, I'm not playing jacks here. This is, this is 
the world's future that I'm not saying is literally in your own hands, but you're certain we're one of a half a dozen people or a dozen people in this country right now that's kind of driving where the world is going. Uh, I do. Uh, you know, there have been many times over the last few years where I get up in the morning and I say to myself, I just need to get through the day. Uh, and at the end of the day, I kind of marvel that I'm still standing. Um, but I, I realize that uh, uh, through no merit of my own, I'm, I'm in a position to make a difference uh, at this moment. And uh, and I've never been more worried about the future of our country. So I feel like i got to do my best. I know I can't do everything. I'm not, I don't try to do everything. But within my little lane, uh, I want to do as much as I can. I mean, the essence of the book is what a scary, precarious place we're in. And I want to dive right into it because what was so compelling was your kind of first person, very in-depth uh, description of the January 6th day. You know, we watched it on TV. You, we, you were in it. And as a human being, forget the politics of it. Can you kind of just, best as you can, I mean, take us through just that day for you, just as it was unfolding? Sure. Uh, you know, about six months before the election, I spoke to the speaker and suggested that we form a rump group of members to try to anticipate all the things that could go wrong in the election. Um, and what if the Electoral College was tied? What if the vice president didn't, uh, you know, count electors from a particular state? Uh, we, we basically gamed out. She thought it was a good idea. So we gamed out a little group of us, um, all the 1,000 things that might happen, except the one that did, uh, a bloody insurrection. And the morning of the insurrection, I was on the House floor. I was there for the whole time. Uh, because I was charged to having come up with this idea of being one of the managers uh, to oppose Republican efforts to decertify the results. Uh, and I really wasn't paying attention to what was going on outside the building. I was too busy focused on what I was going to say, what the Republicans were arguing, and how would I would rebut what they were saying. And the first thing that I knew something was wrong, I looked up and the speaker was no longer in her chair presiding. Uh, and I knew that she had fully planned to preside for the entire joint session. Um, and then immediately thereafter, I saw these two Capitol Police rush onto the House floor uh, and grab Steny Hoyer, our number two, and whisk him away so fast. I remember thinking to myself, I've never seen Steny move that fast. <laughs> um, and uh, pretty soon, the, the, the Capitol Police came back and told us there were rioters in the building. We needed to get our gas masks. We had to be ready to get down on the ground. Uh, and then not long thereafter, he told us that they had secured an escape route and that we needed to get out. Um, even then, I waited. Uh, I felt, you know, reasonably calm. I'm not sure why. Uh, and there was a bit of a log jam to get out of the House chamber. Uh, and as I was waiting for others to to pass through that that uh, you know, that, that grouping by the door, I had a couple of Republicans come up to me and say, "You need to get out. You can't let them see you." Uh, one of them said, "I'm in a whole you know different situation. I know these people. I can talk to these people, but..." You're, you're in a completely different uh, place. And uh, at first I was you know, touched by their evident concern for my safety, but that feeling very rapidly gave way to another. Uh, and uh, I was curious that Republican willingness to push this big lie about our election uh, had put us all in danger. And even after that attack, um, they were still back on the floor pushing the big lie. Um, and, uh, and unlike the people who were outside the Capitol and then inside the Capitol, you know, breaking things and, and beating police officers and gouging them, those people believe the big lie. But the people inside the chamber, the people that I refer to as the insurrectionists, 
in suits and ties. They knew it was a big lie. The You've been made news coming out really uh, very much saying that you're disappointed in Merrick Garland's choice to not go after Trump for his role in the January 6th uh, role. Let's just talk about that a little bit. Well, in my view, uh, the Justice Department needs to look at any crimes that were committed, uh, even those committed by a former president. Uh, I'm most concerned uh, about, for example, Donald Trump's efforts to get the Secretary of State of Georgia to fraudulently come up with 11,780 votes that didn't exist. Um, that's on tape. Uh, if, if, if I think you or I or any of my constituents- We'd be indicted. Tape, We'd be indicted immediately. That's it. There would be a- we would be indicted. Yeah. Um, now, uh, there may come a time where the attorney general has to make a decision. Do you prosecute the former president? But that's after you conduct the investigation. That's after you establish what the level of proof is and the seriousness of the charges um, and then you make that decision. I don't think you can simply ignore what's gone on, um, because if you take the position, as the Justice Department did, that you cannot prosecute a sitting president, uh, and then you compound that, and by the way, I think that that's the wrong decision, but if you take that position, and then when the president is out of office, um, you also think you can't prosecute a former president, that they're too big to jail, then effectively the president becomes above the law. And that's dangerous in the abstract. It's even more dangerous considering that Donald Trump was running for office again. Power blackouts. They happen every year. But guess what, blackouts? You've met your match. Say hello to Goal Zero, the leader in affordable home power backup systems and solar generators. Goal Zero's generators power your fridge, freezer, lights, Wi-Fi, TV, and more with clean power. Their home backup systems, like the Yeti 3000X, have no fuel, no fumes, no noise, and no maintenance. Just good, clean energy that keeps your home up and running. They offer a range of products and affordable price points, from power stations that can provide a half day's worth of power, to solar generators and home backup systems that can keep you powered for one, two, or three days. Plus, they're all portable, so you can take your power with you when you go camping, tailgating, and more. So yeah, take that, blackouts. Our power is here to stay. Have peace of mind when blackouts hit. Go to GoalZero.com to learn more. Okay, I want to talk to you about LinkedIn Marketing Solutions. That's L-I-N-K-E-D-I-N. Let's pretend for a moment you're about to launch a campaign. It tested well, your entire team is happy, and everything is going according, according to plan. Except for that one thought in the back of your head. How do I ensure that people I want to target will be in my mindset to receive my message? The answer is LinkedIn. Because when you market on LinkedIn, your message reaches people who are already ready to engage with your business. That means your advertising campaign will work as hard as it can as soon as you launch it. Over 62 million decision makers are on LinkedIn and they're thinking about their business. It's one of the many reasons that more than 78%, that's almost four to five business-to-business marketers Rate LinkedIn the most effective social media platform in helping your organization achieve specific objectives. I'm telling you, this is really smart. Look, I'm a marketing guy. This is the way you reach your target customers with LinkedIn. It can help you reach your short and long-term business goals. They offer tools for brand building and lead generation. Not only can you target and reach your professional audience down to their job title, company name, and location, but you can engage people you already know based on who's visited your site and who you've contacted in the past. Advertising on LinkedIn, the world's largest professional network, can help you reach your marketing goals. Do business where business is done. Get a $100 advertising credit towards your first LinkedIn campaign. That's linkedin.com slash Donnie, L-I-N-K-E-D, 
I-N.com slash Donnie, L-I-N-K-E-D-I-N.com slash Donnie. Terms and conditions apply. I want to talk about human. That's H-U-M-A-N-N. As we age, the fatigue and lack of endurance we feel, we can't always be fixed with more and more caffeine. Here's a new way to stop your day. Super Beats Heart Shoes. Super Beats Heart Shoes. They're a tasty treat. They give you the energy you need and are good for you. you. I'm telling you, I need this stuff now and I love it. No more afternoon coffees, energy drinks, or candy for a quick pick-me-up. Add two delicious plant-based Super Beats Heart Shoes to your morning routine and promote heart-healthy energy for your day without a caffeine crash because Super Beats Heart Shoes unique clinically researched grapeseed extract promote heart-healthy energy and normal blood pressure as part of a healthy lifestyle. I'm telling you, I've tried it. It's really good. really keeps your energy up. It's healthy. It's organic. The grapeseed extract used in Super Beats Heart Shoes has been clinically shown to be two times more effective at supporting normal blood pressure as healthy lifestyle alone. Do more for your heart and treat yourself to Super Beats Heart Shoes. Join over a million customers, get free shipping and returns, a 90-day money-back guarantee, and right now you get a free 30-day supply with your first purchase of superbeats.com slash Donnie. That's S-U-P-E-R-B-E-E-T-S dot com slash Donnie. Human, Super Beats, get them. Let's talk about danger. I was one of the few people on television to, a couple years ago, say if Donald Trump lost uh, he would call for bloodshed in the streets and we would be on the brink of a civil war and he was not going to leave office. I, I don't, in, in hindsight, that was not a tough call. And I want to go forward a little bit because so much of an essence of your book is the precipice that we're on and what a Donald Trump presidency, a second term would look like, how it can happen. What I'm terrified of is it can happen legitimately at this point. I'm concerned if he ran right now, uh, there's a chance he could win. Now, the, the scarier part, obviously, and he's already teeing up the state legislatures and to, to, to make sure that there isn't a Brad Raffensperger there ne- next time. And there is somebody when he calls up and says, find me 11,000 votes, do it. Take us through how, what a precarious situation we're in right now with the, with the possibility of both our elections no longer being free and also just Donald Trump getting in office with the, the legitimate way, both ways, both ways equally scary. Uh, you're absolutely right. Uh, both prospects are terrifying. It's just one is more terrifying than the other. Um, but uh, I'm fully convinced that Donald Trump is running. I think it would be intolerable to him to see anyone else get all that attention. Uh, if Mike Pence were the nominee or Nikki Haley or DeSantis or whoever. It's his heroin. Uh, he attention. Go, that's what it's about. It's not even about power. It's attention. for him. I've known this yeah. guy for 20 years. It's, it's, that's what it's for. Anybody who thinks he's not going to run doesn't understand his essence. Uh, exactly. I mean, I, I think it's pathological. It cannot not run. Yeah. Uh, and I think if given the grip he's got on this party, he will be the nominee. Um, and, and look, he's out there pushing the big lie still. Uh, even the second ranking Republican, Steve Scalise, as recently as a week ago, couldn't bring himself answer. to admit the election wasn't stolen uh, on Fox when he was asked repeatedly by Chris Wallace. Um, the danger is they are so undermining people's confidence in our elections that they're justifying violence because after all, if you can't count on elections to decide who governs, then where does that leave you? It's over. Violence? It's over. Um, but, uh, but he could, uh, he could win. You're absolutely right. And he could win in part because they're trying to disenfranchise people, particularly people of color. Uh, and they are setting it up uh, such that if he loses, they can overturn the election. And this is how democracies come to an end. It's not always through violent means. Uh, if there is another attack on the Capitol and there may very well be, that attack will fail, just like the last one. But where they may succeed uh, is in these efforts to replace the Raffensburgers of the world and 
uh, and, and have partisans there. Uh, you know, he was trying to get, you know, local elections officials in Michigan, state legislators in Pennsylvania, uh, and, and statewide officers in Georgia to essentially lie about the election. Uh, he may have people in those positions who are willing to do it next time. And that's how the democracies, you know, come to an end through the use of quasi-legal, quasi-democratic means to attack democracy itself. Um, but, but before people get too, uh, too gloomy about the prospects, I want to also say, and I chose the title Midnight in Washington because, well, midnight is the darkest hour of every day. It also is hopeful because what follows has the prospect of light. I fully believe that we're going to get through this because I believe that there are millions and millions more Americans who love and cherish our democracy than those that are willing to tear it down. Uh, and I, I try to profile in the book all the heroes, not just the villains of this period, but the heroes who defied the president, uh, who, who risked their jobs, in some cases risked their lives. Uh, you know, people like Alexander Vindman, people like Ambassador Marie Ivanovich, but also people like Dan Coates, uh, the Republican former senator from Indiana, uh, who ran the intelligence community and wasn't willing to lie for Trump about Russia or, uh, or North Korea or anything else that would threaten the security of the country, uh, who risked his job and lost his job. Uh, there are a lot of people that ought to give us inspiration uh, and reason for hope as well as uh, cause for concern right now. I want to talk about some of your colleagues that you referenced, obviously, that know better, that know it's, it's, it is a big lie and whatnot. These are people that have husbands and wives and children and parents, and they have blood running through the stream. How many? How often do you talk to any of them? I go, guys, come on. You know, I mean, obviously off the record, you, these are people you work with, that you live with, that you've known for years and years and years. Do you get into discussions with them where it's like, hey, come on, what are we doing here? This is not. This is this is serious stuff. I mean, do do any of them come clean to you? Uh, you know, I have had those conversations. Uh, I used to have more of them before. Uh, I became such a villain on Fox News and it became, uh, you know, so toxic uh, to be associated with me uh, if you're a Republican. Uh, but, you know, I would have, for example, in the height of the Russia investigation, um, a senior Republican pass me in the, in the hallway in the Capitol and in a hushed tone tell me to keep doing what you're doing, which, of course, was total heresy for Republicans sure. to say that. But they understood someone needed to do it. And even if they couldn't or wouldn't, they wanted somebody else to do it. Um, I, I, to this day, have conversations like I had on the House floor the other day with one of my Republican colleagues, uh, trying to just understand where their constituents were coming from. I was asking about the pandemic and why is it that so many Republicans are unwilling to get vaccinated, but they're willing to take the antiviral drugs produced by the same pharmaceutical companies when they get sick. Yeah. Uh, it doesn't make much sense to me. Well, forget it. Like, they go to school, when they went to school as kids, they have to take I mean, This is not a new thing. This is, It's insanity. It's insanity. You know, uh, it is really astonishing that when you consider that Donald Trump's uh, narcissism and competence literally led to the deaths of tens of thousands of people, maybe hundreds of thousands of people at the end of the day from this pandemic, that he could compete for anything. Um, and... and uh, Look, I, I think that this is a, is a dark time that we're going to pass through, but we're going to come out on the other end. Sometimes when you're in the midst of a crisis, it's hard to see how it ends or even if it ends, but it does come to an end. The country's been through worst traumas before. This too shall pass. But I do think that what we do in this moment will determine how long that's going to take and how much uh, pain we're going to have to suffer along the way. Part of 
being hopeful about how something passes, being able to look in the mirror in a harsh way. And I, I've asked this question of a lot of people, and, and you're in a unique position to answer it. I understood the first time around when Donald Trump went, ran. Hillary was not a good candidate. Um, he was an outsider. A lot of people were saying, well, he's just saying these things, and you know, let's, let's give a businessman a try. Let's give him a, a whirl. Explain to me how 70-some-odd million Americans, 40% of Americans, saw the first four years. We don't have to go into detail. We, we all know the atrocities and, the, and the, 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 the frightening elements to it. And put their thumb up and said, yes, that's what we want. We want more of that. Explain that to me. Explain where we are. Is, is that a fault? Is that, have the Democrats become too elitist? Is it, is it just people's fear of the other and understanding this country is not going to be a, minor, a majority white country in 15 years? What, what's the nerve? Because you have to overlook a lot or not only overlook or like, like a lot of stuff that is just inhuman. That is things we're just taught, whether it's telling the truth, whether it's being decent to other human beings, they're just fundamentally in our DNA as good people, and that so much of this country are willing to go, no, nope, I'm okay with it. Uh, you know, like, like a lot of uh, complex phenomenon, there's no single uh, explanation, but I think there are a few things that are really pivotal to understanding how after such destruction, uh, after his uh, four-year reign of terror literally brought uh, about a bloody insurrection against our government, um, how people could still vote for him. But, but I think it's a function of a couple things. Uh, I think it's uh, in significant part because of the way we get information now, that we live in such different information worlds. And there's a whole information ecosystem in Fox Primetime and Newsmax and OAN that allows the supporters of the president to live in an alternate world uh, in which the big lie is actually a big truth. Um, and we haven't figured this out yet uh, on social media, algorithms uh, uh, separate what you see and what I see. They know our likes and dislikes, what we share and don't share. And it becomes increasingly difficult to communicate with each other or even agree upon a body of fact. Um, you add to that that we had a president for four years who relentlessly assailed the truth. And I think part of the genius, the evil genius of Donald Trump um, was to so batter the institutions of the press uh, as to convince people that anything they read, anything they saw, they couldn't believe. They could only believe him, that everybody else was a liar. Um, you know, in a way, it reminded me of uh, also of other autocrats. No, like it's playbook. Is he, he, it's the playbook. Whether it, you, you demonize the press, you, you make the truth. People don't understand what it is. You create an other. You try and get the Justice Department uh, as part of the executive branch. It's just, it's 101. I, he was not inventing this playbook. And if people couldn't understand, I, I made a lot of references on air to Hitler, not to saying that Trump was going to cause a Holocaust, but you have to look at the same playbook. And I got a lot of shit for that, but I stand by it. You know, I resisted for a long time the comparisons to the 1930s. I don't resist them anymore. No. Uh, there are too many parallels. You know, the conservatives in the 1930s thought they could make use of this not so bright corporal and his popularity and his populism. And he completely ate their lunch. Uh, similarly in the Republican party, they thought they could make use of this not so bright businessman from New York and his popularity and populism. And he ate their lunch. Um, but of all the things Donald Trump did, uh, you know, one of the most corrosive was this relentless assault on the truth. Uh, and I think he got people to believe, um, you know, just like other autocrats, uh, and, and Turkey's Erdogan comes to mind. Uh, his argument, even though he didn't explicitly put it in, this, in these terms, was 
Uh, yes, he's corrupt. He, Donald Trump, is corrupt, but then everybody's corrupt. Sure, sure. Yes, Donald Trump lies, but then everybody lies. Yeah. But he's their liar. Uh, he's their corrupt politician. Uh, and uh, and he would, you know, add the poison that, that anyone that disagreed with him was basically looking down on those that uh, that had voted for him the first time. Uh, and if you can persuade people that the other side condescends to them, they will never support uh, the other party. Uh, so, um, you know, I think a lot of it has to do with how we get our information. If if, you know, Richard Nixon had had Fox News, I'm convinced he would have never been forced to leave office. He'd still, he'd still be president. <laughs> you know, but the, but the other thing, um, and in this respect, what we're trying to do right now with the Build Back Better legislation uh, is also key to our democracy. And that is a democracy at the end of the day has to produce. Uh, and I think, as you say, in 2016, people, you know, they had had a Clinton presidency. They had had a Bush presidency. Their lives did not improve. Uh, their children were, if they were lucky to get a college education, graduated with no job and a lot of debt. And, and as parents, they, they were going to have to work till they dropped. Uh, and so there was an audience for a xenophobic populist threatening to break everything. Uh, it is harder to understand once he did break everything and it didn't improve that a lot, why any of them would stay with him. But it's, I think, incumbent on Democrats now to make the case why they should abandon him. Uh, and passing this legislation that will so help people, I think, is a pivotal part of that case. Let, let's talk about, uh, let's do an audit of the Democratic brand today. And obviously it's playing, the essence of the brand is playing out with the bill that you're talking about, with the human infrastructure bill and and the yin and the yang between the progressives and the moderates of the party. And we're seeing, and it, it's actually healthy. I mean, a lot of people pull their hair out over this, and but this is democracy and this is the way it works. My concern for the Democrats, and I, I'm, a real moderate and on MSNBC other than Scarborough and there's probably nobody more kind of conservative than me, you know, even though I'm a, I'm a very deep blue Democrat. My concern is if the party lurches too far left, we get destroyed. That's not where the country lives. The country lives actually just right of center or sometimes just left of center. And do you have that concern also? And I'm talking, I'm not even talking about a belief system in a particular policy. I'm talking about winning and losing that the, the left wing of the party, and if it starts to become too big of a voice, we're done. It's over. It, that, that's not where the country lives. Um, you know, I would say a couple of things. First of all, um, there's very little daylight right now among Democrats about what ought to go into the Build Back Better legislation. Uh, there's a strong appetite within the Democratic uh, caucus and within the country for some pretty sweeping changes mm -hmm. that make an investment in early childhood education, expand Medicare, that provide paid family, family and medical leave. Uh, so those, those ideas are broadly popular uh, and they're supported by, you know, 98% of Democrats in House and Senate. But the other 2%, um, you know, we need them too. Yeah. When it's a 50-50 Senate, you need basically unanimity, not mere unanimity. Um, you know, do I worry that, that we're going to party too much to the left, not on those issues uh, and not on climate. Uh, you know, I am concerned with some of the messages that were used against Democrats uh, in the last election. I think the socialism message was, was very destructive uh, of Democrats uh, in key places like Florida and Texas. Um, well, that's what I worry, as a marketer, that's what I worry about. Like, I, I, if, you, if you said to me, I don't want the full three and a half trillion, I, I don't want to give the Republicans the club of using that S word, that socialism word. And it's it's an easy brush to paint with. 
Uh, and that's fair or unfair. That's a reality. And that's why I'm always somebody kind of pushing a little towards the center with, with the Democrats. Well, you know, uh, the way I look at it, I had a colleague of mine, Derek Kilmer, point this out to me, a uh, brilliant guy. He said, what if I told you at the beginning of the year that within a single year, we would pass a rescue plan that would lift half the kids in the country out of poverty, help save small businesses and accelerate vaccines. But that wasn't it. We would also pass a major bipartisan infrastructure package that would rebuild our roads and highways, et cetera. But even that wasn't it. We would pass a, and you can fill in the blank sure. in terms of the amount, a Build Back Better bill that would invest in climate and early childhood education, et cetera. Absolutely. And we'd get all that done. What would you think? And I would be like, that would be the most amazing thing. That's, that's a big touchdown uh, spike in the end zone. Yes. So I, I do think that we've, you know, we've mishandled the expectations game. Because we are going to get these other two bills done. It is going to be a phenomenal achievement. Um, I, I do think that, you know, whatever the price tag may be, and ultimately it'll be zero because we paid for it, they're going to call us socialists anyway. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but, but so much of this is in this polarized world about mobilization. Uh, message is important. Um, there's not a lot of persuasion that's going on. Uh, you know, if you look at, you know, 30 years ago, there might have been 100 House seats where the incumbent House member was of the opposite party than the president who last won that district. There might have been 100 of them. Uh, 15 years ago, that number would have been 50. Today, that number is closer to 15. Yeah. Um, our, our country is just becoming more partisan and polarized. And in that kind of environment, uh, the most important thing is whether you can get your people out. Uh, and and so, uh, you know, I, I think we still, you know, got to be very careful to make sure that we're appealing to, you know, a broad base of Americans and we're not needlessly alienating any of them. Uh, but but we also need to excite and energize and turn out our people because that's really 90 percent of them. I want to go back to you. You mentioned a few minutes ago, social media and the polarization and, and uh, Facebook, half the people in this country get their, half the people in the world get their news from Facebook. And I come from an advertising background. And if I wanted to run an ad on CBS and say laundry detergent gets your clothes two times cleaner, I have to go through infinitely more hoops and stringent regulations than what happens on Facebook. Obviously, there's been a lot of discussion on the Hill, but I, as a businessman say, I would drag Zuckerberg in and say, your company's worth a trillion and a half dollars. If you guys don't put hundred billion or, or a certain number of way to get this thing right, we're going to break you guys up. I mean, th they are responsible and, and he has blood on his hands and it's, it's two people. It's, it's Mark Zuckerberg and Sheryl Sandberg. They run the show. I understand how businesses work. How do we continue to allow this and just throw our hands up? We keep bringing them in. What, if you were the czar of this and you had complete control and you, I said to you, Congressman, fix the Facebook problem, fix it. Yeah. Um, I, I guess I would uh, prescribe a number of things. Um, I would focus um, first on uh, whether they continue to set their algorithms uh, to accentuate engagement, which means we know uh, they do. That, yes, of course. Uh, yeah. So I would uh, I would say, look, you continue to do that. We're going to take away Section two thirty uh, immunity from liability. Um, uh, second, I would require a lot of transparency so that we understand the impact. Um, of these platforms on everything from teenage girls' uh, views of themselves uh, to the degree to which uh, it is dividing our society and turning it against itself. 
Um, I, would, uh, I would enact data privacy laws to protect personal data uh, so that you can't not only invite people's privacy, but micro-target uh, by knowing you know, everything about particular people and to a degree that most Americans are unaware. Um, these are, are some of the things I would do, but I think antitrust uh, is also one of the remedies. Uh, I'm concerned about, you know, in particular, when these large platforms acquire small, new, growing platforms, uh, either to make them part of the, of the family or to basically uh, chew them up and spit them out and make sure that they never succeed uh, and become competitors. Uh, and so I, I think all of those are appropriate remedies. Uh, there are probably many others. And if they don't work, then, then you need to look at even bigger and, and more blunt instruments uh, like you're talking about in terms of breakup. But uh, I guess if I were the, uh, uh, the king uh, in this area, that's what I would do. I like, I like all of those suggestions. Before you go, final question. I asked this of all my guests. I, I touched it off at the beginning. What is the Congressman Adam Schiff brand? Describe it to me. Tell me. Well, you know, I would like to believe, uh, and others will have to be the judge, um, defender of our democracy. Uh, someone who, when they, they had the chance to serve, did what they could to, to keep our institutions alive. And uh, at the end of the day, um, I want to make my kids and grandkids proud of what, uh, what I did when I had a chance to serve. Congressman, it's been a pleasure, pleasure talking to you. Keep up the good work and thank you for your service. Thank you very much. Great to be with you. Hope you enjoyed today's show. Uh, remember to rate, review, and subscribe. Anywhere you get podcasts, remember to rate, review, and subscribe. It's important to us. Anywhere you got podcasts, Spotify, Apple, any place else. You can watch our videos on YouTube or download our videos. Please subscribe to our videos. Please comment on our videos. We love the feedback. We'll see everybody next time on On Brand. Have a great week. El condado de Santa Clara está pasando por una emergencia de sequía extrema. Valley Water le pide a la comunidad que limite el riego de jardines a un máximo de dos veces por semana. Trabajemos juntos y digámosle sí, ahorrar agua. Visite watersavings.org para más información.